What's going on, everyone? Kyle is back. Ed is back. Tom is back. We are back with another podcast. Good news, guys. I'm still here. Sorry, Barry. You got to wait another week. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. Poor Barry. Man, we got... Man, we have so much to talk about this week. Um, some Some news, but... Um, guys, I want to get started here. Tom, I know you're really excited about this one. I'll let you announce it because this is your boy. This is a uh, Hall of Fame nominee, is he? Music Soul Child? Yeah, uh, nominee at this point. He'll be up under further consideration at some point, I believe. Oh, please. <laughs> I just want to let you know, before this podcast started, I was listening to one of Ed's favorite groups of all time, Nina Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Nina Sky? But anyway... But anyway, they were so hey, actually cute. Nina Sky. They have some good songs. No, they do. They and I. <laughs> that was just such a random pick. But yes, <laughs> I like Nina Sky in two thousand two anyway. or whenever that heyday was. Anyway, R and B Hall of Famer Music Soul Child announced he's releasing a double album uh, this this September. So I was surprised to hear it's going to be a double album. Especially because most artists aren't even planning to release one album at all. So, basically, uh, I'm excited for it. I mean, I don't know what to expect. I don't know how good it's going to be. The first two singles have been pretty solid. He just released videos for both of them. Kyle, I know you're a little worried. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I am a little worried. Um, Number one, it's just surprising how fast he's going you know to put out another project and i felt like his last one was solid but i felt like it was solid because warren campbell was on board and i think it kind of brought a new focus to music it was actually kind of surprising because i think all three of us liked the project but i know some of our readers didn't for whatever reason but i felt like it was a pretty strong project but you know all i can really base it off of is um just how i've seen music um you know how he's created with 100 percent creative control and I mean, I don't know, like even some of his newer songs, the the melody, it's kind of sloppy, um, and I'm basing a lot of this off of his live show, which is kind of shaky as well, but I mean, he might surprise us, I still think 20-something songs is way too much, especially in today's landscape, but hey, as a fan, what else can you ask for than your favorite artist putting out that much music? Well, I know Tom will be excited just because a glut of music songs will make him happy. But as a reviewer, and I talk about this in many of the albums I review, and one of the biggest issues with double albums is it's just too much. You can have too much of a good thing. And there are very few double albums out there that actually work because it's just too much stuff. And it ends up a good album crushed in between a bunch of mediocre songs. And I, while I, just like the rest of us, I was a big fan of Music's last album. I thought that it was kind of a return to form for him. The new singles are okay, but nothing to write home about. And if it is going to be 30 of those songs, it's going to be a long day when your boy sits down and review that album. So we'll see. I'm, my expectations, I'm going to say they're down, but they certainly aren't high. Just because I am not a fan of albums with 400 songs. You want my opinion? You know, it's, it's I like I keep but saying. I know you're going to give it to me. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, I'm totally unbiased. It's like this. And this is what, his eighth solo album? So, 
Man, if someone's on their eighth album and we're in 2017 and they're putting out solid music, I'm, I, I can live with it because you've seen all the trash we're getting from even our favorite artists. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to be satisfied. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's his best album or it's a classic or these new singles are his best songs, but hey, man, at least he's not trying to be Bryson Tiller or Chris Brown or any of the younger guys, so I can live with that. And I give him props for that because that's why I love this last album so much. It sounded like a music project. It didn't sound like I'm going to update my sound by sounding like Bryson Tiller, like every other grown person out there. So props to him for that, but we shall see. Wait, are we just going to forget about the whole Hustle project? Oh, I didn't forget. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, but the other point. That wasn't, that wasn't music soul child, though, so it's okay. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, just well, the like other Clint gonna... is in Superman. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the other point I was going to make was, like, the single that he, he has out right now, Start Over, it's it's not doing anything on Urban AC. It's kind of just hovering in that 20s, and I'm tr- trying to figure out why that is because he's been such a staple on Urban AC, yet the the buzz this time around and the reaction, it's not what it normally is for music. So I wonder why that is. I'll tell you why that is. You want to know? Yeah. He's still with E1, so you know the push is going to come at some point. But E1 always puts their money up to line up with the release of the album. So he's still got two months. And E1's not going to go all in too early. And we've seen it before, so that's my that's my bet. Because yeah, and that's actually a good point, because that has happened sure. in the past. Remember, it, you know, there, there's what's called national syndication. When it gets to the, the, the really big stations, and E1 won't push to those stations just yet because that costs a lot of money. So that's my analysis. But I know what you're saying, Kyle. And I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying it's one of his best songs ever. I actually like the first single better, Simple Simple Things. So I'm surprised he's. I'm even surprised he released both videos on the same day. That was weird to yeah, me. Yeah, that was what shocked me. So right. I don't know. He's we'll reinventing see, I mean, the wheel, I guess, of releasing a project. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's music soul child time yet. Because, I mean, and that might be just the traditionalist in me speaking, but I remember every time, you know, one of our favorite artists puts out an album, you can feel it coming. You can feel that era about to take off. And this one's kind of been relatively quiet. And, you know, soon enough, I think September is the release date, Tom. Uh, late September, I think it is. Yeah, like, that's going to creep up on us pretty quickly. And, you know, I hope the momentum starts picking up soon because you don't want another situation where it just comes and it goes. Hmm. I see the the Lettucey single that we critiqued a few weeks back is actually starting to move a little bit. It's up to 15, but it's been on there seven weeks. I wonder how the response is to that one. Yeah, and as we said, we've talked about that single a little bit. I, that one has kind of grown on me a little bit. When I first heard it, it was it was a kind of jarring, it was a little sound clashy, but I don't know, it's starting to grow on me a little bit, and maybe it's growing on the listeners, and that's why it's creeping up the charts a bit. Well, if we're uh, if we're gonna continue to look at the charts right now, I got a couple of funny facts for you guys. Uh, Charlie Wilson, oh he had a new he has a new single out, "Good Time," featuring our boy Hitbull. But here's what's funny about the song. For the radio version of the song, he removes Hip Boy from the from that version. But it's like that doesn't make sense to me because if you're gonna bring in Hitbo and when when I mean Hippo, I mean Pitbull, um, 
Like, isn't the whole point of bringing him into a feature <laughs> to put him on the radio? Why would you take him out of the radio? Maybe he just woke up and realized that Pitbull is high garbage and was like, nope. <laughs> uh, I don't think you can put Pitbull on Urban AC. I mean. So, did, Char- did Char- I, maybe, you know, did Charlie expect to be on pop? Here's my. No, but here's my guess. It was probably one of those organic collaborations where they just happened to be doing a show together and were like, oh, we should do a song together. And they did a song. And this is what came out of it. But he didn't really think it through all the way. So here we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm jokes aside, I think Tom is right. Well, this is just, he, his sound is not for Urban AC. So they just kind of, you know, eh, take it off. If it randomly takes off on pop, there you go. But I think that was probably an intentional move. Just so it's not an odd sound clash for that genre. Can you guys imagine Charlie Wilson and Pitbull at a show? That must be that must be like the most energy at a show of all time. You have Charlie Wilson riding the choo-choo train, and you have Pitbull gyrating left and right and center. Man, <laughs> riding the choo-choo train. Man, <laughs> um, I'm looking at the charts a little more, guys. Neo, another love song. That's a pop song. Yet it, the only chart it's sta- it, the only chart that it's uh, doing well on right now is Urban AC. That's weird. Nope, not weird at all because it's Neo. And if we have learned anything else in the past few years, Urban AC listeners are relatively loyal to their artists. So it doesn't make it doesn't surprise me that he is featured there. Speaking of of the charts. It was interesting. They recently announced that hip hop has become the biggest genre, but I saw some headlines that said hip hop and R and B, and I'm like, how are you just going to group R and B in there like it's the same thing? But I think really hip hop, you can argue, it's hip hop, and that whole hip hop and R and B kind of glumping together has been around for decades. Just because, unfortunately, that's a holdover of quote unquote black. They're both black sounds, so let's throw them in the same box together, which is totally unfair. But yeah, hip hop has long even before kind of this prevailing sound that we're hearing, hip hop has been dominant for a while. People are just catching on. But when you have pop artists kind of stifling and siphoning off the sounds like we've seen Bieber and old culture vulture herself, Miley Cyrus, when they're incorporating hip hop to the levels that we've seen uh, Ty Taylor Swift's another one. It's number one, and that's why these pop artists are doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, I got a question for you guys. What makes more sense here? The label pushing Tamar Braxton to urban radio with My Man, which is like a straight R&B ballad, or the song by Khalid Location, which is like blowing up on urban AC? What's going on, guys? Well, with the Tamar thing, that makes sense because you have to remember Tamar's audience. Tamar's audience is Urban AC, not because of the sound, but because of their freaking reality show and her audience is there. Like, they're going to where her audience is. So that makes sense to me. Location is just, I do not get the hype. Dude sounds like he is in a coma. I do not understand why people love the song so much. Jeez. I was arguing with one of my readers a couple... This was on the BET Awards, because it was on the BET Awards. And, you know, I was tossing shade like an um, Olympian. And this and one of our listeners was just like, oh, no, I love this song. And I'm like, this song didn't put you to sleep, because it is making me night-night. 
And she just went in on me and was like, I can't believe you don't like this song. This is just his sound. It's just a laid back sound. It's a groove and blah, blah, blah. There's a difference between a groove and a snooze. And he is killing me. <laughs> wow. Wow. Nicely put. But Tom, here's... In, here's but y'all, people love Tom, it. here's what's interesting. Khalid and Bobby V have the same manager, right? Yeah, from what I've yeah. heard, that's pretty Can you interesting. Imagine one day you're managing Bobby V, and you know he's doing his thing independently, and then you just land this Khalid dude, and he's just exploding all of a sudden. Your life changes overnight as a manager. It's pretty cool. Well, shout out to Bobby V's manager, Courtney. He's a good dude. He always looks out for us. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's a tough, tough assignment. He's probably really tied up with Khalid. How do you say it? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, it's Khalid. Okay. It's not Khalid. Remember when you thought, Kyle, that DJ Khalid and Khalid were the same person? This is absolutely true. (laughs) You thought that was DJ Khalid singing, didn't you? I sure did. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is why they keep me around to straighten them out. All right, calm down. Oh, man. Um, Another new artist that just put out a, uh, a new project, and I actually just discovered this artist not too long ago actually i heard it about i heard about him from probably about a year ago because he wrote a song for chris brown but tone stith i think is his name ed you had a chance to check out that project right yes and this is another artist that i had really just flew under my radar until you know i got sold decided to feature him and i was like who is this guy and i checked it out man that album really impressed me it was it's very short album very tight but and and his sound, you can tell, is very youthful, and there's a lot... The thing that I like about it is just so much raw potential there. It's certainly not the best album I've heard this year, but it's one of the albums that's really, really satisfying. It reminds me of an album from the mid-90s, from like a, a Monica or or an, or an Aaliyah, where you hear like this young, raw talent singing... And all the songs are satisfying. They aren't the greatest songs you've ever heard, but it's just a lot of feeling and emotion behind it. And it's a lot of honest relatability. When you hear the songs, they sound authentic. It doesn't sound like someone trying to sound like someone else. He's just telling his story. And when I think about it, it's probably one of my favorite R&B projects of the year so far. So check it out. Again, it's not the best album of 2017 by any measure. But I think there's a lot of raw talent there. And Kyle and I were talking, and Kyle kind of, at first he kind of said, or it reminds me of young Chris Brown. And we were like, oh, no, oh, yucky, nasty, blah, poo-poo. <laughs> and by that, he did, I don't think he meant a young 2017 Chris Brown. But there are some similarities to 2005 Chris Brown. Not a lot, but some, enough that you can kind of get that youthful tone there. So... I would encourage everyone to check it out, at least for a listen. Yeah, I mean, the thing I really... Youthful yeah. tone, pun intended. <laughs> I think I think, I think, think yes. what I really liked about it was... I mean, number one, you can tell that he actually understands music, just the way that he was playing around with the background vocals. Um, auto-tune, maybe a little bit, but it wasn't anything too outstanding. It didn't really bother too... It bother, yeah, it wasn't yeah, overpowering. It wasn't overpowering. And yeah, I mean, it was just, like you said, it was youthful. It was relatable, and I think it was appropriate for that age bracket. He wasn't turning up. He wasn't cursing. It was just some good old R&B with a little bit of pop to it. 
Yes, I was very much impressed. And in a year where we've had a lot of mediocre and so-so R&B albums, it's good to hear one that's like, hey man, this is a good listen from front to back. So I really enjoyed it. It's really one of those sleepers for me. Yep. Is he signed? No, he's uh he's signed to um I believe the same dude that manages Drake or used to manage Drake. Like there's a Drake connection in there somewhere. Hall of Fame nominee Drake. I'm sorry. So there's because <laughs> you always know there's like money behind these guys, especially when you hear about them prominently yep. like this. I mean, you you just know from some angle something's going yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. Play and let me get on a rant real quick. And I know this is R&B and not hip hop, but the thing that drives me nuts about the newest Golden Child, Chance the Rapper, is how like oh we kind of play him as this artist this from the ground up and he's doing it on his own and player you don't get that many grammy nominations sitting in your basement on your mama's computer like there's money behind these artists i remember when kalani came out of nowhere and it was like oh she's doing it on her own no player she's back a lot of these artists that seem like they're grassroots they're backed by bigger stars her we saw with her when she came out and all of a sudden tyrese and alicia keys are tweeting about the album it's because they're backed by it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's weird to me when people are always like, oh, this artist is coming out of nowhere and coming from the ground up and not falling for the industry standard. Look, player, if they have made that level, someone behind them has money. And it's cool, but just don't fall for the okie doke. Hey, man, your boy Chance the Rapper. I just read an article that he, I guess some producer's claiming he didn't pay him for tracks or something. And then he responded to the producer and was like, all right, if you want the money, come and get it. Like Bandit style <laughs> or something. It was funny. <laughs> it was pretty the funny. The guy's entertaining. You got to go yeah. on that. All right. I just uh, I found yeah. some more. I thought he go was, ahead, Tom. I, I thought he was just like supposed to be this really good guy, though. Is he? He is. I mean, I mean he's no punk. If you say something ridiculous, he's going to shoot back at you, but... No, he seems to be one of the more genuine guys out there. He's not some idiot like the Migos or Future who wants to fight everything that moves. So good you for him for you know, being a nice, genuine dude. You know what's interesting about the article I read, though? It talked about there was a quote from the producer that talked about how Chance invented some type of way of putting out music with SoundCloud and everything, where you don't necessarily pay the producer and kind of get big off of you know just SoundCloud. I forgot. I don't know exactly what it said, but. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, and I do not. And he's, again, being pushed as this artist who has revolutionized this. And I just, the skeptical reporter in me does not believe that. I don't think that he invented that. There are plenty of artists who have done that. I think he isn't signed, but I think that he's been backed, and that's kind of his out. But I don't think he invented this new way of putting out music. He just put out music and it kind of his mixtape from a few years back blew up without being signed but it's not like he invented some new way to do it he just did it a little bit unconventionally but at this point please somebody is behind him well i'm just hoping that chance is as nice of a guy as you say he is ed i'm hoping he's like nice like joe because joe is one of the nicest people we know and less like and less like <laughs> amigos <laughs> Oh, Ugh, man. Anything can be better than the freaking Migos. <laughs> <laughs> what, the Migos run over your dog? Jeez. 
every time they open their mouth, they dig up my dog, run it over, and bury her again. <laughs> oh my god! Ed, we have a I have a serious oh. question for you. So you yes. are actually related to Chris Brown in some type of way, right? Uh, I mean, it's a running joke on Soul and Stereo, but the real thing is like he's related to like my cousin is something and something it's like if you trace it it's probably not but oh so you don't have any v8 you don't have any why do you remind me see breezy um actually my cousins do i've never met dudes i don't know but no the fan and that's how i knew this was a thing is because they know him and have met him but i have not met that side of the family is not a side that i see outside of family reunions very often so I have no Chris Brown stories. If there's a time where I and Chris Brown are in the same room, trust me, you will know Because <laughs> we'll probably end up on TMZ. Yep. Well, I'm glad that we're all here for the podcast. Um, earlier we were talking about youthful tones. Um, so I guess it's time to talk about R. Kelly, right? <laughs> oh, no. Come on. Oh, no. This is how we're going to start no, I'm this. I'm sorry. Um, I mean... Anyone that's been on the internet or has been around the media knows that awful, awful report that came out about about R. Kelly. Um, so we don't really need to get into that. But I mean, this is whether it's true or not. This is another strike against R. Kelly, and we're gonna talk about R. Kelly later. But I mean, for the Hall of Fame, I believe. But man, like, how much is how much is enough, or how much is too much, like? Is this going to hurt his career? I don't know. On the surface, on the surface, it will irreparably destroy his career. Because when you look at the era that we're in, like we've all seen the tape. We've all heard the many, many, many stories. We've heard it from Aaliyah's parents and Sparkle and plenty of artists and think dj wayne wonder even like just random artists we have heard these stories collaborated a thousand times so obviously there's something there i know a lot of stands have been yelling at me for the past week and we won't go into it if you want to see that real uncalled unfiltered ad opinion on this stuff go to et bows on twitter you know how to find me though you hate tweets there and the stands have been yelling because they're like you don't know if it's true and you don't know this well, if 75 people say that it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, they all can't be wrong. However, when we look at the legacy of this artist, it seems like it would be the end of the world, but it kind of isn't. And the reason why is because of the culture that we live in. We live in, take it from me, uh, a real-life media professional, not these randos that y'all be reading blogs that can't spell right. But the way our news cycle is set up, it's 24-7. That means when there's a hot news story, we're going to beat it in your face until you get sick of it. And that means you're going to see it a thousand times on Twitter or on Facebook. Everybody's going to write think pieces about it. Everybody's going to write memes about it. It's going to be sensory overload to the point where you get sick of it and you tune it out. And this all happens in the span of like a few days because media is so present now. So even now, this happened earlier this week at the recording of this podcast. You're not even hearing about it as much. So in a week or so, that very, very, very damaging report 
will be old news. So all Kells has to do is lay low for a few months, drop a hot single, and y'all dancing again like that Boondocks episode. So as damaging as this may seem, it might not be that damaging at all. I kind of agree. Here's the thing. <clears throat> look who the President of the United States is, and look at all the crappy stuff he's done, especially to women and everything he's said, and he's still got elected to the highest honor in this country. Can you, I mean, right. and R. Kelly has actually been alleged of doing a lot worse than this, uh, being with minors, marrying Aaliyah underage, peeing on people. I mean, and he still Glenn, sells out there, shows. <laughs> there's Go documented ahead. proof of this. It's not like we're making it up. There's the tape. There's the, the, the merit certificate. We've seen it all. I don't even care about that. I'm, I'm, I, whatever he did or didn't do, it's just I'm just commenting on the fact that people just have obviously don't care, just only care about the music or forgiving. I don't know, but hey, here we are. And, and he's st- and I understand that mindset. And I've, again, I've talked to many, many fans about this over the past week. And some fans say they can separate the man from the music. And I wrote about this on Facebook. For me, as an R&B fan. I can say that R. Kelly is one of the most important artists in our generation. He might be the most important artist in our generation. I don't care who he does, kills, murders, or whatever. You can't take away what he's done and his ability to innovate, his ability to stay relevant over 20 years. We've got artists who can't stay relevant past three years. He's been doing it for decades. And he has done this at a high level. So without question, no matter what he does... He will always be one of R&B's kings. That's the truth. But in the same time, he's also a horrible human being. You can say it's okay to say both. And some fans are like, he did this horrible thing. You should never listen to his music. Or some say, he did these horrible things, but I love his music. I'm going to keep listening to it. And both is kind of true. It's really your choice. My thing is, don't dismiss the terrible things. Because you like stepping the name of love. Like, don't disrespect the victims for that. But as long as there's going to be that kind of duality in the way people look at his music, he won't ever go away. Because there's going to be one side versus the other, and that's going to remain. Well, here's my thing. I think, um, I, I kind of agree with Tom on this. Like, he's done a lot worse. I'm not, not, not to compare different events, because they're all terrible, of course. But I think we've gotten to the point now with R. Kelly because we've already allowed him to continue to have a career even though he's been you know accused of doing all these things anything that he does from now on it's just oh let's just throw that in the pile with the rest of the stuff he's done and I think some and I think right. something that's also very damaging is that Dave Chappelle skit he did I don't know back in 2003 the piss on you or whatever he turned that trad oh yeah that into a joke and it's still a joke today, but that's what it's just looked at now. It's just, oh, it, that R. Kelly incident, yeah, it spawned a great Dave Chappelle skit. But that's, again, the culture that we live in. It's a mean culture. When there's something terrible that happens, we turn it into a joke and we make it funny. And once this becomes, once the news goes away, we just remember the last and we don't remember the pain. And I hate that for those who have suffered for real. And that's why I don't like to 
encourage and share the memes and kind of do that because I feel like it's a little disrespectful. But you're right. As long as we make this funny and we kind of take it away from it, the seriousness goes away. The laughs stay. The music's going to always stay. So we're just going to remember the great music and the funny stuff. And then we forget about it because it's almost like a natural reaction to push away the stuff that makes us feel uncomfortable. And and most and just to take it a step ahead, further, uh, sorry, Kyle. The, think about the, the degrading lyrics we hear on an everyday basis, especially coming from hip-hop music and how those are so accepted. I mean, if we can accept that, it's almost like we've desensitized all, all of what goes on and like we just will accept anything now as a society, I feel like. That's... No, you're right. Scott, and that was one of Scott. my prob- one of my issues with his Black Panties album. As many people know, like the lowest rated album in soul and stereo history. That thing got like a one. But one of the problems I had with it was the degrading lyrics were just so... Ugh, they were like almost unlistenable because they were so bad. And tying that to the person who's saying it, it leaves such a terrible taste in your mouth. But some fans just like it. They're just like, hey, this is funny. This is cool. You were too hard on them. And because we have reached a point in society where the grosser it is, the funnier it is, and the cooler it is, we can't really go any lower. Nope. But one of the fans on our Twitter, um, shout-outs to Creative184, he said, well, Sam Cooke, Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye, James Brown, Elvis... Many others have been with girls when they were teenagers, so it's okay if R. Kelly does it. <laughs> Listen, I have heard that argument for the past week. I have heard that, and I've also heard the argument with these women in this report that we're talking about. They weren't even minors. They were women who were in there, and they were like nineteen, twenty. But the issue wasn't really their age in that case. It was they were being held... And their fan, they were essentially being brainwashed. But again, if you want to see the report, go read the report. The issue is just because one person does something bad doesn't mean that it makes it good. If someone's doing something terrible, they're doing something terrible. And we shouldn't say, oh, well, Elvis did something terrible, so it's okay. No, he sucked too. So that's a ridiculous excuse. Well, we got another uh, artist who's gone through a lot of heat. Um, this past week, I promised everyone that we would stop talking about him, but this is just, this is too good. We got to talk about this. Usher is back in the headlines. <laughs> He's out here giving people herpes, Ed. Listen, player, I don't know why everybody's surprised. He kind of warned y'all in his songs. He said, look, you got it bad. Burn. Oh, <laughs> Come on, my God. And Listen, he was trying to warn y'all. Seriously, players. It's weird to me that everyone's so surprised. I feel like every artist, especially male artists, that brags about their sexuality all the time, I assume they're all walking gonorrhea factories. Because, I mean, that's just the life they live. It might be unfair, but if you told me they were swimming in diseases, um, yeah, that's what I would assume. So it's just weird that everyone was so shocked that the dude who Brags about having threesomes all the time, has an STD. That's kind of what happens when you do weird stuff all the time. Now, Kyle, you you mentioned to me you thought it was over for him. Uh, Explain that. Yeah, I mean, and not just this incident, but just the trajectory of his career over the last, 
basically everything after confessions really it's kind of been sort of like a downward spiral he's recovered there's been a little bit of peaks um, and he's sort of recovered from that but from the, for the most part I think objectively speaking we can say that he's not at the level that he once was with confessions which is fair every artist goes through that but I just think the volatility of his career from you know doing the EDM stuff to you know doing the more trappy stuff to even still doing a little bit of R&B but then degrading songs like I Don't Mind it's just like there just really hasn't been enough of a balance in Usher's career and I think you see that now with his album sales like Hard to Love Ed I know you love that album but that album did not sell very well well they didn't <laughs> sell any well because every once in a while people actually listen to these things and realize it's a hunk of garbage and that's what happened with Hard yep. to Love what an accurate album title for that <laughs> but I think with Usher I First of all, just to speak on it, and we've talked about this a little bit, I do think it's a little unfair when we say that, like, oh, he's been on a downward spiral since Confessions. It's kind of like the old thriller analogy. Like, you can't top it. Nas will never top Illmatic. Michael never top Thriller. Usher's not going to top Confessions. Like, it's just not going to happen. But I feel like he's done some solid stuff along the way. The issue with Usher is he has lost direction. And he doesn't know what to do. And every album bounces between EDM to pop to horrible trap music. And he doesn't, he can't find a, a lane in 2017. And I, that Looking For Myself album, man, it's like every album title just kind of is a depiction of his life. Because he doesn't know where he wants to be. And you're right that this horrible incident is going to be a mark on his career. But again... I think that once the headlines die down, I know there's like a second woman that came out that's trying to sue him for giving him the hot box, so to speak. But what's going to happen is once this dies down in a couple months, all he has to do is drop a halfway decent single a year from now and no one will remember. And the same women will be trying to sleep with him. Y'all better strap up this time. (laughs) But, I mean, look at my cousin Chris Brown. It's the same thing. He beats somebody up every other week. But as long as he drops another hot single, all is forgiven. That's the world we live in. Let me ask you guys something. Was Usher at any point in his career one of the top five artists out of any genre? Yeah. Like, was he a top five? He was, like, he number was? one in 2004. You were saying yeah, he was I mean, the biggest it, artist. I'm just asking. I don't know the answer. I'm no, just yeah, asking. 2000, I mean, I'd have to look. I would say... I'd have to look, but even early 2000, maybe not even 2004, that 8701 Confessions era, if he wasn't number one, he was the closest one. He yeah, was it was. I, so he was bigger than, like, say, pop artists like Britney Spears and whoever? Yeah, I mean, are we talking about, it depends. Like, are we? he was definitely number one in R&B. Are we talking number one in music? Overall? Yes, in music. Was he a top five artist in music overall at any point? In in music, top five, yes. Number one, I'd have to go. I would say he was. I okay, would say be, he was in two thousand and four. You guys got to remember how big of a song Yeah was, and then Burn came out as well. Oh gosh, don't remind like, me. Two thousand and four was the year where I think hip hop and R and B truly dominated the charts, and Usher was at the top of that. And when I think about the early two thousands, like some of the names that come to mind, you know, you have Britney Spears, obviously, you have Eminem. Eminem might actually be the biggest of the 2000s. Um, 
because that guy has a crazy fan base. Um, Usher is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, 50. Well, he was never bigger than Timberlake, though. Who? No, he wasn't bigger than Timberlake, but I think Timberlake got huge Timberlake with the yeah. second album, and that was more 06, 07. Yeah. But prior to that, yeah, I think Usher had him. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, just just uh, just retrospect of how far he's come since More. then. I mean, he is thirty. He's turning thirty nine this year, so it's not like he. And the, you know the age trajectory, how that works yeah. out. Exactly. Yep. So. And who who knows? I I don't even know to be honest. I know we're going a little off topic. I don't even know how the people are going to respond to Justin Timberlake's new album. I think that one will be very interesting because when it comes to pop audiences, they're a lot more forgiving of age than R&B and hip-hop. R&B and hip-hop are quick to write you off as an old man once you hit mid-30s and kind of lump you into the washed-up category. They're a little bit more forgiving for pop. So if he comes strong, I don't think it'll be a big deal. But, I mean, it's a legit question. Who, that old fart? No, he's (laughs) whack now. No, please. Well, I mean, the difference <laughs> is if they write off Justin Timberlake for being old, he can just put out another troll song and everything will be well. But if, Ush, oh, if Usher well, does it, ooh. If, if he puts out another troll song. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, let's, uh, let's get into the Hall of Fame. Let's hope Usher is doing okay. Let's hope R. Kelly is doing okay. But we got to get into this Hall of Fame now. And... Last week, obviously, we caused some controversy because I tried to sneak Drake into the Hall of Fame. This week, let's uh, let's keep it a little more uh, calm and a little more civilized. So, a fan wanted us to nominate Donnell Jones. Now, Tom, this is one of your Tom. Mm-hmm. This is one of your favorite artists. So, why don't you break it down for people that don't know Donnell Jones? One of your favorites. Who doesn't know Donnell Jones? And they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, um, probably one of the premier R&B artists of the 90s. Uh, one of my favorite albums from him came out in the early 2000s. But um, I, I'd say he probably has one classic, in my opinion. Um, he's had some great singles. Probably when I line up him with many other artists, he's probably had, to me, among the best singles. Um yeah, I don't think he's got enough body of work. Um, he's been always super low-key. To me, he's been like a reluctant star. Like, he, if you watch his live show, he's kind of laid back, kind of just hugs the mic a bit. Like, doesn't... He's not like that entertainer type. More of just a singer. Like, that, that cool guy. But I don't think he has enough on his resume to me. I love his music, but no, he's not in for me. No, I kind of got to agree with the homie there. I am a huge fan of Donnell. I feel like if we were having a Hall of Fame of the most underrated artists of all time, he would be in the top five because his second album is The Business. If you are listening to this and you have not heard his second album, get your life right because that album is amazing. And while I wouldn't say he had a classic album, I think Where I Want to Be is a classic R&B song. And you know I don't throw around that word often. But I think that's a classic song. He is a fantastic vocalist. I am, and I've gone on record as Tom kind of alluded. I am not a fan of his live shows because he's a little too laid back. 
And not that I wanted him doing backflips all over the stage, but sometimes he's a little too subdued. But I think what really keeps him out for me is just his lack of overall body of work. He's got some really great stuff, but overall, as far as influence and totality, just doesn't make it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys as well. I think he has a he's he has a sweet spot. He has a comfort zone, and he that that area he does very well. Like that smooth, laid back sound, he does great with that. Once you get out of that, it's a little shaky. I mean, granted, he did have a couple of records that really did work, like uh, you know what's up, as well as the Journey of the Gemini album. I think he did a pretty good job of mixing that up. You know, mixing up his sound with some new production, but. As far as his overall body of work, um, I, I just don't think he has enough um, to get into it. But like you guys said, one of the most underrated artists um, and the originator of wearing the, the fedora hat before Neo came along. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's interesting. Charlie Wilson's cold yeah. neck crown right now, player. And, you know, it's interesting you said vocalist because I never really hear anyone give him props as, as a vocalist. And it's a shame. And again, he's not, this isn't somebody that's doing vocal gymnastics. He's not screaming and hollering all over the track. He's not, you know, doing the, the church choir vocals that's shaking the rafters. But what he does is just so well done. It is so low register, low key, but it's just smooth as silk. And it is absolutely. If anybody can cover a Stevie Wonder song like he did, like out of the gate of his career and do it to that level, that's a vocalist player. He is underrated in that sense. So, uh, unfortunately, Donnell Jones is not in. I know we actually have a listener from, I think, South Africa who uh, visits our Facebook page quite frequently. He's a huge Donnell Jones fan, calls him a legend. So, um, unfortunately, he won't be in our Hall of Fame, but he might be in yours. So, stay tuned. And no hate there. We're huge fans of Donnie. Yep. I mean, dude, before we go on to, you know, your pick, Ed, I just want to point out a couple of songs that I really like, and you guys can do the same. But there's one song that I really like off his debut, I Want You to Know. That's a great song. Hmm. I don't remember that song. That's a great song. It's a cool song. I like Yearning better from the debut. Oh, now that one I remember. Yep. So, shout outs to Dono Jones. Still making uh, still making an impact on R&B. Had his song feat, uh, sampled by Mariah earlier in the year. So, shout outs to jo- Donnell. Now, Ed, it's your turn. I know who you're going to pick already because we already talked about him unless you decide to change it up on us. But who is your nomination for the Hall of Fame? I've been going back and forth on this because this was going to be my pick last week before everything went down. And then I kind of backed off and said, no, I don't want to do it. But then I kind of talked myself back into it and it would be good for discussion. My pick is Mr. Robert Kelly. Now, a week ago, I was like, no brainer. I did an article, I don't know, a few months back. You can check it out on Soul and Stereo where I named the kings and queens of R&B for each decade. And... He was the runaway king for the 90s. Nobody came close. And even in the 2000s, he was in the running. I think, coincidentally, Usher won that year. So the kings are pretty nasty. But (laughs) 
when it comes down to his influence, when it comes down to his discography, when it comes down to his writing, when it comes to his production, the number of artists he has put on, the longevity, he, the career, if we're looking just by statistics and numbers and stats, this dude is a Hall of Famer keeping no question. Like, it's not even a debate. What is in debate is if we want to weigh the character of the man. Do we want to put someone in the Hall of Fame with a resume as dirty, so to speak, as R. Kelly? Does that take away from his contributions to R&B? That's kind of what the question is here. And honestly, I can go either way. If someone was like, he's a great artist, but he being in the Hall of Fame would discredit it because of his character, I couldn't be mad at him. For me, it's kind of regretful as I kind of would have to do it in some ways. I would put him because he has done too much for the game to be forgotten. And even though his character is filth, his content has shaped R&B for what it is today. So I would add him. But I wouldn't argue anybody who would say no. Hold on a second. Last week I tried to say Joe was a good guy, and that should count towards getting him in. And now you're going to say R. Kelly's personal characteristics are going to prevent him from getting in? When your personal characteristics are having a harem of women locked in a basement and peeing on children, that's a little (laughs) different than being a nice guy. Ironically, I've never heard of Joe having an issue with anyone except for R. Kelly. Think about that. Oh, really? Have you ever heard of Joe? Is such a nice gentleman guy. Remember the beef they had? I don't remember them having a beef, though. I remember him and I remember R. Kelly and Cisco's beef. I don't remember that beef. They had a beef about, uh, it was over 10 years ago when they were on the same label. I don't know. But anyway. R. Kelly's in for me. Just, just you just have to consider how many people he's influenced. I mean, everyone looks up to him as an artist, and uh, for me, it's just about the music. I separate, you know. I just think about the, the the music he's left behind. And while there's a lot of R. Kelly's music I do not like, and I think is like not very good at all, I think he's got so many timeless hits that will live on forever that he's done enough to get in. I kind of agree with you. For every Black Panties album he's got, he's got bona fide classics in his. Fair point, fair point. For me, um, well, first of all, I'm going to remove the personal aspect of his life from, from this because I tried putting Chris Brown into the Hall of Fame, and he's no saint himself. Oh, you know so that. we're going to base this strictly off of the music, and if we're going to base it strictly off of the music, I'm still saying no. Let me break this down for you guys. Ouch. What? Calm down, guys. Let me... Please break it down before I okay, break your so, legs. Come on. So, what? So, guys, oh I, I can think of four reasons why we would put R. Kelly into the Hall of Fame. And you guys can decide on how significant these are. So, I think the second most important thing he's done in his career is that 12-play album, which is a classic. I'm not going to deny that. It is, it is very influential. Still gets referenced in every R&B song that comes out that has anything to do with sex. So we'll put the 12 play in there. Another thing that he did, influential, he brought in the great Aaliyah into the R&B game. Now, I'm not going to give him all that credit because truthfully, Aaliyah's best music came with Timbaland. So R. Kelly gets, you know, a little bit of a... He gets 
some points for bringing in Aaliyah, but he wasn't the one that made Aaliyah into Aaliyah, the great Aaliyah. Uh, what I think is his greatest achievement is the hook that he did on the Nick Cannon song, Gigolo. That might put me in. Oh, God. Oh, so boy. that has me sort of putting him into the Hall of Fame. And we can't forget about Trap in the Closet, which is by far one of the most creative concepts I've ever heard in R&B. So those are the points that we have for him. But, I mean, you guys keep talking about influence. Who did this guy really influence that's actually good? Jeremiah? The Dream? Are you guys kidding me? Is this what we're looking at as influence? Wait, Why what? would you pick the... Why would you pick Wait, the whoa, two whoa, worst whoa. people he influenced? What are you talking about? Your whole generation, Kyle, is who he influenced. No, I would argue. I would. You just said that every R and B song has swell play references. That's an influence. So is everyone singing slow, moody songs. That's a Drake influence. Didn't you say? Wait a second. He oh, whatever. What we're saying is he influenced everyone pretty much that's came after him in the in the decade after he was out. Well, I would ar- I would I mean, along the lines that broke down. I would argue that Usher was the biggest influence. But guys, let's let's focus here. We, I mean, we don't want to dwell on this influence thing too much, but let's look at some of the songs he's put out, all right? Snake? Is that a good song, guys? And I can't tell if he's just trying to mess with us or if he's actually being serious. I think it's a little of both. I think that he is that high in Canada. But put good <laughs> Go ahead and keep digging the hole, player. Go ahead, snake. Oh, yeah, thongs. <laughs> no one's influenced by that generation of R. Kelly. They're influenced by his nineties R. Yeah, R&B. but we're not, not going to just we're not just <laughs> looking at one part of his career. We got to look the, at the whole body of work. I don't care if Twelve Play is a classic. If the latter part of his career is trash, you got to take that into account too. But the whole latter part of his career isn't even trash, player. You're picking, like, the worst songs off of one of his worst albums. Everybody has garbage albums. Even in recent years, like, his Love Letter album was actually extremely good. It didn't get much airplay, but it was very great. And when you just single out the garbage, everybody has garbage, please. And I am no R. Kelly apologist, but come on, player. Okay, and then the song Ignition Remix, I have a problem with that song as well. In one part of the song, he says, running your hands through my fro or whatever. But in the music video, he actually has cornrows. So he's not even singing anything that's believable. <laughs> Tom, do you see how I know he's messing with us. I think now we gotta, I know he's we messing gotta, with us. Well, we got we gotta well, to save time. myself, um, I've actually had a change of heart. I will put him into the Hall of Fame because he wrote, I believe I can fly. And uh, that's... <laughs> That's the Space Jam song, and so yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame because he was on Space Jam. That is the most Kyle thing I've heard all yep. day. So R. Kelly, you got lucky because he remembered he was on Space Jam. That was the only reason why. Oh boy. <laughs> 